It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and we have an update on what is going on around College Station, what is going on with the 2020 college football season, and if A&M is moving anywhere closer to deciding, will they be a part of a conference that only plays in-conference rivals, or will they be a part of a conference that is willing to play anyone and everyone? Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show better, anything you can do to help make this show a more quality-sounding podcast, we love your input here, and we're always going to take it into consideration. So make sure you're following me at Mr. Cole Thompson. Secondly, at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content. Go check us out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Listen to us on Spotify. If you can't do any of that, listen to us live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So one of the biggest questions out there is how will college football commence this upcoming season? We've already heard a couple teams and a couple of conferences make their moves. Corindu, a lot of different sources that we've spoken to. The FCS football might completely just move to the spring for the 2020 season. So basically what that means is any team that's playing in the FCS level, whether you're in the Southland Conference, the Patriot League, um, you can include uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Richmond, all those teams will now be playing in January or February rather than playing in August. So that hurts the schedule for a few teams. Uh, But more importantly, at the FBS level, we've already heard some teams talk about what they are going to do this upcoming year. So the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have already said, we're not going to play against anyone else other than our own conference opponents. So Pac-12, Colorado's going to play Cal. They're not going to play A&M. USC's going to play UCLA. They're not going to play Alabama. Uh, You look at other couple schools, Cal's not going to play, I think it's what, UNC or something like that. They're only going to play Oregon. That's it. Big Ten, same thing. You're going to see Ohio State play Penn State. Penn State's not going to play out of conference. You're going to see Michigan play Michigan State. That's it. That's where it ends. But in the SEC, there still has not been a decision made. So this is going to go down to the wire, according to what Greg Sankey said earlier this week when talking about what could become due to the coronavirus. Now, naturally, they want to be a football season. There's going to be something happening. But according to Sankey, uh, he says the league is waiting until the final hour to decide on the 2020 football season, echoing his thoughts throughout the spring into the summer, with the virus control timeline hopefully leading to a season happening a full 12 games. Sankey was asked on Tuesday night during ESPN's College Football Live preseason special if there was a specific time in mind in which the decision was made. Here was his quote. I haven't put a deadline on it. I've actually put dates out there. I wrote a timeline way back in May, and I realized how much has changed since then. We look at the next week as the most important milestone. The way I explain it, I finished 41 marathons in my life, and I realize you're going to go mile by mile, and we are on that journey. The challenge now is to understand where the finish line may be. 
Sankey also appeared earlier this past month on HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumbel and said he receives regular updates from conference call members of institutions on the coronavirus testing results. The SEC was also the first Power 5 conference to begin voluntary workouts that happened earlier in June. Let's also keep in mind that Sankey has been at the forefront of all this news over the past two and a half weeks. In fact, when the announcement was made by the Big Ten on July 9th that they're only going to be playing against conference foes, he came out with a statement almost immediately afterwards. The Southeastern Conference will continue to meet regularly with our campus leaders in the coming weeks, guided by medical advisors to make important decisions necessary to determine the best path forward related to SEC fall sports. We recognize the challenges ahead and know the well-being of our student athletes, coaches, staff, and fans must remain at the forefront of these decisions. Uh, ESPN College Football Analyst Paul Feinbaum praised Sankey this week, saying he showed adapt leadership in an unprecedented offseason. There's a lot to dissect with this when you really break it down. Because what Sankey's doing is he does not want to cancel a season. Not only that, he wants to be able to bring money into the SEC. The revenue that comes in for when you buy out a team. So a game like Abilene Christian, we already kind of mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. A team like Abilene Christian comes in for a respective $1.4 million. That's to get their butts beat by A&M at College Station. The money that will be made in ticket sales, the money that will be made in broadcasting rights, the money that will be made in revenue coming from uh, tailgates, coming from people, uh, food vendors, coming from jerseys, merchandising, all that. It's tenfold. More importantly, because you look at these games, not everyone can afford to go to an Alabama A&M game. Not everyone can afford to go to even an, an A&M Ole Miss game. It's almost physically impossible to do that. So on the flip side of things... How do you expect you to make money if you can't always have these people? Because people can afford to go to Abilene Christian. People can afford to go to North Texas. A really, really stout A&M fan who does not have a lot of money will save up and his big game will be either an SEC game or it will be against Colorado. You'll make your money those weekends. And guess what? A&M's buying out the rights for them to win those games. So the the revenue goes up, the money surpluses, you have your loyal fans, and you also have sellout crowds. All that plays a factor into it. Without that in mind, Sankey's still saying, I want to bring money into the SEC. I may hemorrhage a little bit. We may have the worst quota that we've had in decades. But unlike the Big 12, unlike the Pac-12, unlike any other conference, we're willing to hold this out for as long as possible. If you want to play us, we'll play you. We will gladly play you. And not only will we play you, we will come in with a fire lit underneath our butts because if we want to show why we are considered by many as the top conference in college football. So you have to applaud what he's doing from a standpoint of just pure dynamically sound play. I think it's really interesting to see how he's reacted to all this. And I think what's the best part about it is A&M is kind of following suit. They're not falling 
behind in any process of this. They're staying active. They have players on campus, and they're making sure that they keep the testing up. And they're doing all of that to make sure that there could be a season where they play 12 games. If the SEC plays a 12-game schedule, are you going to say that there are 12 wins? And if they, if they win outright, A&M, Alabama, Auburn, whoever it is, they win 12 games. Are they not automatically the number one seed because the Big Ten doesn't want to play outside opponents? Are we going to say that Ohio State's eight wins is more promising than Alabama's 12, than A&M's 10, than Auburn's 10, Florida's 11? I wouldn't. They played more games, they made it work, and if fans even aren't in the stadium, if players want to go out and play, and the conference is not folding, if you have a team that's 8-0 in the Big in the Big Ten, and you have four teams that are 10-2 or better in the SEC, I think that needs to be in consideration. I really do, for when we discuss who goes on to play in the college football playoff. Because of... I get it. I understand every conference is different. But what Sankey's doing is he's making it possible for the SEC to own college football in 2020. Ross Bjorks, Texas A&M's athletic director, recently came out with a statement on the Paul Feinbaum show talking a little bit about what he can expect for the 2020 season. We'll be breaking down his press conference in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports team on a daily basis? If so, why not listen to a Locked on Podcast? The Locked on Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and of course, highlight information surrounding fantasy football. So go ahead and like us on iTunes, subscribe to us on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live here on the LockedOnPodcast.com. Texas A&M is still planning on having a football season, and more importantly, they're planning on having a 12-game football season. But the only way that we could ever see that happen is if the SEC, number one, does not cancel and move in the same process as the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to an only conference schedule. But more importantly, if the SEC does not cancel the schedule at all, and the only way you can learn from that is through what happens with Greg Sankey. But Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork appeared on the Paul Feinbaum Show earlier this week to address two of the main topics that are on every college football fan's mind right now regarding the 2020 season. And of course, it's simple. When will football start? And will fans be allowed to attend games? Now, Bjork, smart man, comes from a very strategical background. You got to look at this from a different perspective. He's looking at this through all of fall sports. And he kind of mentioned it In his process, he was really talking about other sports. He didn't really mention college football at all during his interview. In fact, he actually turned his attention to two other sports that are set to begin this week. MLB and the NBA bubble. And those are going to be factors that I think really set the tone for college football to return. During his interview with Feinbaum, uh, Bjork was at quote saying, we need Major League Baseball to operate well. 
We need the NBA, even though they're in a bubble. We need them to operate well. I think we need the optic of the NFL training camp starting up so we can see football players carrying helmets to practice and we can see them scrimmaging against one another. Baseball returns this week. Baseball actually returned yesterday. They're not having fans in the stands right now. And again, every city can be different. Some cities are going to allow fans at some point if the virus can slow down. Other fans are going to say, nope, no fans at all. The NBA is going into a bubble system. They're going to be bubble all year. There are not going to be fans involved. There's not going to be anyone in Orlando. They're going to have their tournaments, and then they're going to be going. The MLS has been going on right now, and outside of FC Dallas, we have not seen a team pull out. They have been consistent. The NHL playoffs are starting up in Canada, in Quebec, and in Montreal. Now, that's not going to be in America, but they have 22 teams playing in a tournament-style play to see who will win the Stanley Cup in 2020. That's all going to go on right now. But more importantly, on American soil, it's important to have MLB work. Why? Because it's going to be the more contact sport, in my opinion. You're going to have a lot more of run-ins at first base. You're going to have a lot more stolen bases to where a guy comes sliding in. You're going to be able to see a little bit more of players interacting in the dugout around each other. All of that. The good news is, is that with the NBA bubble system that's been going on right now, tests have been at an all-time low. In fact, no one tested positive for the coronavirus the last time they got tested. That's impressive. And it's because of the mask system. So, by the way, wear a mask if you're not, because if you want college football back, that's a pretty good way to get it back, is wear a dang mask. But more importantly, and back to the main point of this conversation, when you look at how... The NBA bubble has been working thus far, and scrimmages are about to start, and the MLB baseball season coming back. 60 games, if they're successful, it will lead to, I think, a more positive outlook for the NFL season. And if the NFL season, where it is contact football, where it is players meeting up against each other, where it is players playing with almost, you know, where they're breathing on each other, you ever been inside of a huddle? You are neck and neck with your person. More importantly, if you're playing tackle football, if you're a really good wide receiver or a really good running back, one person is not enough to take you down. It is a two, three-man job. You are all piled together to bring down the ball carrier, to bring down the receiver. You're breathing on each other during that time. You're literally passing germs along whether you know it or not. And if the testing works and no one is getting tested positively for corona, or if they are and they're asymptomatic and it slowly diminishes, that's a good sign for college football. So Bjork, realizing that in College Station alone, AM has football. I mean, cross country is great. Women's soccer is fantastic for the Aggies. For the Lady Ags, like I give them a lot of credit. Volleyball is okay. It's football. It's Texas. It's football. So to be able to talk more about other sports, which again, football is not the only sport that's affected, but it's the main one that people are going to be interested in. To talk about other sports and to say if these sports are successful with their testing, we're going to be fine. It's a brilliant strategy because what it's saying is, is that one, Every sport is important, but more importantly, we're basing our success off of how these other sports start their season off. Brilliant quote. 
from Bjork. Another thing mentioned is, of course, the coronavirus in the natural community of College Station. And while the numbers aren't as high there as in major cities such as Austin, such as Houston, such as Dallas, you know, Houston is a uh, is a shock city. I mean, they are very much rigorously infected, and it's unfortunately a problem that we've seen. Uh, the biggest question will be, can it go down? Uh Bjork said that they need our communities to have daily cases go down, and I think we need more positivity rates to go down. Hopefully, there's some sort of therapeutic medicine that's more readily available. Hopefully, you have something like that. I believe we need hospitalizations in Texas that continue to go down. Our local community continues to be in a stable situation. So again, not only is this going to affect A&M as a whole when it comes to traveling, how they get places, but in their own stadium. Because there is no way you can have a bubble for college football. There's absolutely no way you can have a bubble for college football. In your own stadium, you have to be able to have success. You have to be able in your own town to have little to no cases. And once you start seeing that, it becomes a lot easier to say, okay, we're going to have people from out of town. It's probably going to come back. But as long as it doesn't spike back up, we should be okay. You got to give a lot of credit to Bjork. He's following kind of protocol with every single one of the other SEC athletic directors, making sure that everyone knows that while the college football season is important, other sports are going to be important as well. So for the NBA and for MLB to show we are moving in the right direction is a huge plus. More importantly, to show that other sports will also be affected by this, including volleyball, cross country, that's an outdoor sport. You're passing people left and right. Volleyball is an indoor facility. You cannot have that fresh air kind of spreading it out. It literally all will be condensed into one small area. Women's soccer, a big-time sport at AM. They've been successful. To bring all of it to everyone's attention, even though college football is the king in college station, is a very smart move by him. But more importantly, it's showing that the team Everyone at AM is staying the course of we are having fall sports at this moment. So get ready for us. Bjork also talked a little bit about what could happen with college football seeding this upcoming year. And unfortunately, it may not be an answer that everyone likes, but it is an answer that could lead us to actually having college football. We'll be discussing his thoughts in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. And subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and listen to us live here on LockedOnPodcast.com. So naturally, the next question that everyone's going to ask about Ross Bjorka, about A&M, or about college football in general, is how is seeding going to work? And this is one that's going to be based off the state. At the end of the day, I think that this was always going to be the plan. The state controls if you will have fans in the stands. And is it an unfair advantage for some teams? Yes, 100%. It 100% is an unfair advantage. But also, is it also unfair for every team to have to be playing at an elite level? You don't see those fans at Vandy coming out and staying all four quarters, even if Vandy's doing good. You see it at Alabama. You see it at Auburn. You see it in College Station. So it's already a little unfair. But unfortunately, as Texas A&M prepares for their game against Abilene Christian on September 5th, uh, the comments that you know were, of course, talking about having 
Fans in the stands is a little bit underwhelming, but at the end of the day, it was something that was probably going to happen. Bjork discussed having fans at Kyle Field at 50% capacity when the season begins. Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte sent a letter to ticket season holders of the Longhorns wanting to operate at a 50% capacity level based on the limits set by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. We're opening at the 50% premise to go forward. We're actually communicating some things with our donors and season ticket holders in the next few days related to that. We put a lot of plans together. We've been working on this for months and months, but as of today, we are playing a football game tomorrow. It would be at 50% capacity and we would have a way to make it safe as possible. Here's the deal. That's the reality of it. You're going to be lucky to have some teams even have 50% capacity. I mean, if you've checked anything on social media, I'll just give you an example real fast. The Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers, for their first season in SoFi Stadium, if there is an NFL season ahead, is going to be one of the worst things we've ever seen. And this could actually hurt the Rams and actually really help Los Angeles Chargers. Because the Chargers were playing in Dignity Park, I think is the name of it, where the um, LA Galaxy play, the soccer team. They had a fan base of 28,000. They're going to be in a stadium that now has, I think, 92,000. The Coliseum has, I think, 78,000, 79,000. That was filled to the brim every single time the Rams played. So they're going to have a 10,000 limit out in California for their first season in a brand new billion-dollar stadium. Do you know what that's going to be like? That's going to be empty. It's going to sound empty. It's going to look empty. It's going to look like one of the AAF games where we had fans kind of sprinkled all about, and it looked like no one was at the game. There's 10,000 people there, and it's going to look like nobody's there. You're going to be lucky to see that in some areas of college football. New York? So a team like in the Big Ten, Rutgers, they're not going to have fans. Penn State, probably not going to have fans. Northwestern, Chicago, definitely not going to have fans. Evanston is a 20-minute drive from downtown Chicago, from the heart of downtown Chicago. It's like a 10-minute drive to the border of downtown Chicago. It's not going to happen for those cities. So for A&M to still be playing to have 50% is a big deal. More importantly... What it's going to do is it's also going to make students stay in the section because I can just tell you a story from when I was at the University of Alabama. My sophomore year through my senior year, I was up in the press box. I was covering Alabama football. My freshman year, I was in the stands as a student member of the fraternity group. Uh, I was in a fraternity in college, and the south end zone is all owned by the fraternities. So they get sectioned off, uh, depending on your grade point average, that's how you know high or low you sit in the stands, that's how many seats you're allowed to have, all that kind of plays a factor. If, if students left at halftime, Saban got pissed. Saban got really mad, and he really got mad if you were in the end zones. He gets if you were up top, but if you were in the end zones, and that's where all the fraternity guys were, he was pissed. So if you're going to have it at 50% capacity, you better have, if you're sectioning off areas for fraternities, for clubs, for anyone, for the, for theater. I, I know I was in theater in college as well, and the theater kids also had a section kind of circled off. For engineering groups, for boosters, for anyone, any section that's sectioned off for you on a yearly basis that forces fans to sit way up top for freaking next-to-nothing prices 
If all of that happens, I look at this and I say, okay, there's no chance that this continues to go on. And eventually it's just going to be open seating for all. That's just the case of it. And for A&M, they're so much related to the core. The core is always going to have a section. They're one and one with A&M. It's like the band. They're always going to have a section. If fraternity groups have a section at, at games, they're not going to be there. If there's people who are boosters or clubs and they leave at halftime or if they don't show up, they're not going to have that section anymore. So what it also does is it also makes it more affordable and it makes it more deeming of player people showing up early and staying in the stands longer, which I think college football needs. Everyone outside of, I would say, the big seven or eight games a year. So Alabama LSU, Alabama A&M, A&M LSU. There's like two games a year where if your team is winning by a lot, you stay. Every other game, you leave. I think with this 50% capacity rule, it's going to help people stay in their seats. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And make sure you also listen to our sister show, Locked on NFL. As the NFL season drastically approaches, join Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson as they break down everything they're hearing going into the 2020 season. Tomorrow, we're going to mix things up a little bit. I saw this new trend on social media about playing games with your fans. So we're actually going to take a A&M football quiz and see how many questions you have right against me. And we'll be breaking that down tomorrow. It's an episode you're not going to want to miss on a Fan Friday. We will see you then. And remember, give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.